Well, good morning. It's uh, good to see more faces back. Uh, special welcome to those who have just recently returned and to those who are maybe here for the first time and also to those who are joining us online. And although social distancing uh, has been lifted from most venues, we ask you uh, to leave a space between you and those sitting next to you unless you're in the wee family hub. Uh, unfortunately, we still have to continue wearing our masks, so a health and safety warning. Uh, don't be too you know, deep breaths as you sing, or you may swallow your mask. Uh, at the close of service, uh, you may leave by the nearest exit, uh, but please you know, give people space. Uh, have just a wee uh, reminder that we have to give every now and again about fire exits. The fire exits are the two doors there, and this door here, and at the other side. Please don't try and exit with the cupboards at the back, because you won't get very far. A uh, few announcements. Uh, as you have noticed when we come in, we are celebrating communion uh, today. And if you want to take communion, you should have collected your wee communion cup. Uh, if you haven't got one, uh, I'm sure Stuart will get you one if you, if you need it, if you just give him a wee, a wee wave. Um, the communion cups have two layers. You just peel off the top layer and that will uh, reveal the bread. And then you take off the next layer and you have the, the wine. And if you need any help, again, I see Stuart has been, has been demonstrating to folk as they, some folk as they come in. So if you have any problems uh, and you can't get somebody to help you, Stuart's the man. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, next Sunday is a busy Sunday for us. Um, it's a har Harvest Thanksgiving and also Gift Sunday. So if you want to give a special donation towards our stewardship campaign, uh, if you could please put it in an envelope and mark it Gift Sunday. And next week we'll also be receiving a visit from uh, the recently installed moderator of the Drossen Presbytery, uh, our own uh, neighbouring minister, the Reverend David Sutherland. So look forward to that. Um, and just before we hand over to Scott uh, to lead our worship this morning, we also want to say it's uh, great to see the praise band back. Live music, so thanks Ian, Margaret and Angela. So I hope Ian's over at the other side because <laughs> uh, he's not there. So that's, you know, it's really good. Small steps back to normal normality. So see as he looks for his mask to put it back on as I come down. <laughs> well, in Song of Solomon... He writes there in chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, I delight to sit in his shade, and his fruit is sweet to my taste. He has taken me to the banquet hall, and his banner over me is love. Well, let's stand as we sing in our opening hymn. This is from Scottish Metrical Psalm 24. Ye gates lift up, your heads on high.
let's unite our hearts in prayer. Let's pray. O our gracious and heavenly, loving Father, we come this day to the place of rest as we celebrate at your table. And we come at your invitation and command. And so as we draw near to you, Lord, draw near to us. May the heavenly fragrance of Christ sweeten our fellowship as we worship in your presence. And as we wait upon you, oh, may drops of mercy and forgiveness touch our lips. For Lord, we thirst after you. And so may the river of blessing restore life and joy to our hearts. Oh, let a shower of blessing fall, bringing refreshing and renewal. Lord, we can see with the hymn writer, let it come, O Lord, we pray thee. Let the shower of blessing fall. We are waiting, we are waiting. O revive the hearts of all. Lord, as we worship in the quietness of this place, O may we experience your tangible presence filling each heart. And Lord, for those listening at home online, O Lord, surround them with your love, your care, and may your everlasting arms just support them through these difficult days. And Lord, quicken us by the enabling power of your Holy Spirit, where we may be transformed more into the likeness of Christ. And Lord, as we bow our hearts in prayer, we share in the Lord's prayer together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, this morning we take our Bible reading from Paul's letter to the Galatians. Galatians chapter 6. And we read from verse 11 to 18. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised obey the law. Yet they want you to be circumcised, that they may boast about your flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, even to the Israel of God. Finally, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen.
Well, may the Lord bless to us the reading of his precious word. Well, can we return to Paul's letter to the Galatians there in chapter 6? And we're coming to just the end. We're looking at the end of Paul's letter. And it's, it's a letter filled with passion. It's one of Paul's great passionate letters. But it's also filled with frustration. And as you read through Galatians, you'll, you'll find out what the frustrations were too. Well, later on, we're going to be singing the hymn of Fanny Crosby, Jesus, keep me near the cross. Well, I love, I love the chorus. In the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever, till my raptured soul shall find rest beyond the river. Well, do you know, that's the heart of Paul. Here, as he comes to the end of his letter to the Galatians, he's caught up in the glory of the cross. He loves the message of the cross. He loves the gospel of the cross of Christ. And he is so caught up that he has to take the pen, that reed pen of his secretary, where he writes it himself. He wants to write this conclusion himself. And oh, what big letters he said, I write with. Paul, as he wrote this conclusion, now you, you feel his heart just explodes. And I pray this morning that your heart will just explode with him, that you will know the, dyna the, dy the dynamite of the gospel that he's preaching here. The church in Galatia had experienced joy and freedom. They had been living under the curse of the law. They knew that as they tried to keep the law of God and be obedient to the Torah, they knew that whatever they did, it wasn't enough. And they felt cursed by the law. They always wondered, have I done enough? Am I good enough? Have you ever said that? Have you ever tried to obey the scriptures? Read your Bible and pray. Have you tried to be good, as the good book tells us? Only to come to the end of your life saying, have I done enough? It's, what, what if I haven't done enough? And you know, sometimes Christians can actually live under the curse of the law. And that's why Paul's letter to the Galatians is like dynamite. It changes the whole dynamic of living like that. The Christian is not meant to live under the law. You're not expected to read your Bible, pray, and do the best you can. And hopefully at the end you might make it to heaven. That is not the Christian life. Paul is writing to the Galatians who were living like that. Some were living like that. But worst, what frustrated Paul most though, was that there were teachers who came in and he taught them that they ought to be good. They ought to keep the law. They ought to fulfill all the scriptures. They ought to be circumcised. They ought to eat the right foods. 
foods that were kosher and and they were taught, don't touch, don't eat, don't do this, don't do that. Actual teachers came into these churches there in Galatia and they brought the people or they brought those who listened to them back under a legalistic gospel. Now don't get them wrong. These teachers believed in Jesus. They did believe in Jesus. But as well as believing in Jesus, they believed that as you believe in Jesus, then you're to work. You're now to live the scriptures. You're to live out the Bible. You're to do what you can to keep the scriptures through. And you're to live it out. And at the end of it all, hopefully, you'll be saved. As long as you work. As long as you do good deeds. As long as you keep being good. Then you'll be saved. So that was the order of the gospel for these teachers. You believe in Jesus. And then you do good works. And depending on if you continue in good works, you'll then be saved. Now sadly... We may think, what a shame for a church to hear that. But you know, many of us actually live with that idea. There are many churches today that are convinced that we believe in Jesus, that makes us Christian, and then we have to show our good works. We have to, we have to achieve. And then once we achieve in the Christian life, we'll be saved at the end. And so no one really knows whether you'll be in heaven or not until the very end. Well, Paul says that's a different gospel to the one I'm preaching. Paul says that gospel will bring you under a curse. It will drive you to despair. It will drive you to discouragement and disappointment because you know that you'll never feel satisfied. You will always wonder, have I made it? Have I done enough? Now that was the problem with Martin Luther. Martin Luther at the Reformation struggled with the same issues. How can I be right with God? Have I done enough works that would earn God's righteousness? Have I achieved? And for Martin Luther, the gospel, the lights went on for him when he realized it's not about achieving. It's about receiving it's receiving Christ. That's how we're saved. And for Martin Luther and for those afterwards too. Oh, the freedom that came knowing that it's not my good deeds, it's not my works that are going to justify me. Because I achieve in doing so many works, then I will be in glory. I'll be in heaven. No. Paul said the gospel order is actually you believe. You believe in Christ. You receive him. You trust him fully. And then Paul says, and then the next stage after that is you're saved. You're saved for all eternity. You are secure in Christ. You will be in glory to be with the Lord forever and ever and ever if you have received him not have you achieved for him, but have you received him? And not just into your intellect. Paul isn't saying, do you just agree with this doctrine? No. 
He's saying, have you received him into your heart? Is Christ Lord of your life? Have you invited him in to be Lord of all? Or are you only inviting him in to a church service? Into your Bible devotional time? Are you only inviting the Lord into specific moments of your life? Is he really Lord? And so Paul shares the wonderful gospel. Oh, when you receive Christ, Christ our King, he is Lord of all, Lord of all. Oh, when you receive him into your heart and life, you are set free. You are forgiven. You are cleansed of all your sins. You are washed clean. You've been brought from darkness now into the glorious light. And then Paul goes on to say, and yes, you're saved. But because you're now saved, you will now want to be obedient to the law of Christ. You will want to serve him. You will want to live for him. You will want to do everything you can for, for Christ. Why? Because you're saved. And because you're saved, you love him. You want to do anything. You would surrender your life, your heart, your all. That's how Paul lived the Christian life. And so Paul brings this gospel to the church in Galatia. He said, oh, don't be foolish. Don't run off after that different gospel. No, Christ has set you free. Live in the love of Christ. Remember what Jesus said? If you love me, you will keep my commands. If you love me. That's how Jesus knows who are his. Because they know the love of Christ. And they love Jesus. But how does the world know that we love Jesus? Because we obey him. We live for him. When we obey the commands of Christ, it's not to prove that we're Christians. It's to prove our love, that we really love him. And so Paul, as he writes to this church, who had come under a teaching. It was a gospel without the cross. There was no cross. Because if you are taught, believe in Jesus and be good. If that's it, you don't need the cross. Jesus did not need to die on the cross whatsoever. What was the point in Jesus having to die on the cross? If all you need to do is believe in Jesus and try and be good and keep the commands. No. It was a gospel without the cross. But Paul's gospel is cross-centered. Paul says, I just glory in the cross of Christ. I glory in this gospel. I love this gospel. And so, Paul here, we notice, he's passionate about the gospel of the cross. He's known the power of the gospel of the cross. But more importantly, oh, he loves the person of the gospel. He loves the Lord Jesus, who has set him free. And so Paul now says, I boast in the cross. Now, you don't often hear Paul boasting 
And we often think of, it's not very good to boast, but you know, Paul can't help it. As he writes this conclusion, he says, oh, I just boast. This is what, this is my boast. I know it's not good to boast, but oh, if there was ever a time to boast, it's this time. I boast in the cross of Christ. I, I glory in him. He is my glory. He's everything. That cross means everything to me. So what does Paul mean by the cross? Yes, he boasts in the cross, but what does he mean? Because Paul uses the, the phrase, the cross of Christ, in different contexts. Paul often uses it to signify the wooden cross, the cross on which Jesus died, the tree of Calvary. He endured the cross, despising the shame. In Philippians 2 at verse 8, he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Paul there is referring to the wooden cross, but that's not what he's talking about here. Paul also, when he talks about the cross, he often talks about the sufferings of the Christian. He who takes not his cross and follows after me cannot be my disciple, Jesus said in Matthew. And again in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Paul uses the term here, the cross, when he talks about the sufferings that Christians experience. And yes, Christians will experience suffering. To, to be a follower of Jesus, we're told we must take up our cross. There will be times in your life that you will know affliction. You will know sorrow. You will know storms. You will know trials. Jesus even said, expect it. Trials and sufferings will come for the believer. And I know as I look around today, most of you here have known what it is to really suffer, to be afflicted. You know what it is to carry your cross. Many, when they face sufferings and trials, they just run. That's it. No more. In John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, we read there at the very beginning of his story of those who followed Christian heading to the celestial city, but they first of all came to this place called the Slough of Despond. And Pliable fell in. And because he was suffering, he could hardly get out. But once he got out, he said, that's it, I'm going back. I'm not going anymore to that celestial city. Whatever's ahead, I'm not going to face this suffering. But you know the Christian, Paul says that we must bear the cross. We will know sufferings. But again, this is not what Paul's referring to here when he boasts in the cross. Here Paul signifies the way of salvation, the teaching of Jesus dying for sinners. That's what he's referring to here. For Paul, the cross signified the truth that Jesus had died for him, that he was forgiven, he was cleansed. He said, I am a new creation. 
no longer in condemnation do I stand. I stand in the grace of God. The gospel of grace is my gospel. God's undeserved mercy has touched my life. And Paul says, I, and therefore I boast in, in the cross. I boast in Christ himself. I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins. I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's Paul's gospel. For Paul, the preaching of the cross was everything. It would bring freedom. It would bring joy. Even through sufferings and afflictions and storms and trials and dark nights of the soul. And so, as we close, Paul, notice his reaction to the cross. As we mentioned, he boasts. He boasts about it. God forbid that I should boast except in the cross. He can't help it. He boasts in nothing but Christ crucified. Christ is the way of salvation. He is the truth. He is the way. And he is my life. He has set me free. He's come into my heart. The Holy Spirit now lives in me. The presence of Christ the indwelling Christ, the hope of glory. Oh, that's what I boast in. Paul, he doesn't boast in his upbringing. Yes, he claimed to be a Hebrew of Hebrews. He could boast in his good works. He could boast in his knowledge. He could boast in his personality. Paul could boast in his great churchmanship. He could boast about his faithful attendance at the synagogue, or to the temple for the feasts. Paul could boast about all these things. But Paul says, but no, I don't boast in these things. These are nothing. I boast in Christ crucified. He had gloried at the feet of Gamaliel. But now here's Paul glorying in Christ alone. I like that. Well, why does Paul boast in the cross? Why does he glory in such a manner? Well, Paul tells us, because the world is crucified to me, and I am crucified to the world. Paul is saying, I no longer cling to the world and its pleasures. I no longer live for my parties at the weekend. I no longer live to get acceptance from others. I no longer live to try and achieve something. Paul reacts to the cross with his boastfulness and his glorying because he no longer clings to this world. He said, I'm a new creation. No more in condemnation. Or as Augustus Toplady wrote in his hymn, Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling.
That's Paul. No wonder he boasted. The gospel of Christ, the gospel of the cross, was his strength, was his life, was his foundation. In the cross of Christ, he came to know forgiveness, cleansing. He came to know mercy. He came to know light. He came to know freedom. He came to know the joy of the Lord, his strength. He came to know healing. For Paul, Christ had paid for all his sins. He now knew a newness of life just in receiving Christ. All things became new to him just by receiving Christ, not by achieving anything. And so Paul now could say with Fanny Crosby, the hymn writer, that the gospel of the cross was a precious fountain, free to all a healing stream. Well, at the Lord's table, you're invited to come. Not because you have achieved holiness, because you have achieved a certain level in the Christian life. No. This morning we're invited to glory in Christ. We're to glory in the cross. When you take the bread and the cup today, glory in the cross. Boast about Jesus. Praise him, thank him for what he's done for you and what he continues to do in your life by the Holy Spirit. We're not here because we've achieved. We come to the table to receive him, just to rest and to receive him. And so this morning, can I encourage you to boast and glory in the cross in the cross, be my glory ever, till my raptured soul shall find rest beyond the river. Oh, let's glory in the cross. Let's have a, just a quiet time of prayer where you can just pray by yourself. Just pray to the Lord. Just ask to rest in him, just to receive him. Surrender your whole life to him this morning. Just receive Christ. And as we take of communion in a wee moment, oh, boast in him and glory in him. And so let's pray together. Father, we come before you this morning and we give thanks for what we have heard. We thank you, Lord, that it is no better works or our deeds that we get to heaven. But it's because Jesus died for our sins and rose again, giving us victory, Lord. We thank you for your constant love and your unconditional love. And Lord, we celebrate that this morning around the Lord's table, remembering that you died for us. And Father, we think of the the people who serve you as missionaries, Lord, in, in foreign lands, 
And Lord, we ask you to keep them safe. Lord, as they sometimes put their lives at risk, we ask you to bless them. We ask you not to let them become discouraged, but be close to them and fill them afresh. And Father, we thank you for the Sunday school that has started back up, Lord. We pray a blessing on teachers and children alike, Lord, that you will draw them all closer to you. Lord, we think of the difficulties that our country is having at this time with queues for petrol and empty shelves in the shops, Lord. And Lord, we just pray that you will give each one of us patience and that you will give the leaders of our country wisdom to know how best to resolve the problems. Lord, that even through these difficult times, as we're kind of moving out of COVID, Lord, that you will cause people to think of you, to think that through all the changes that we're going through, Lord, that you never change. And we do thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that you give us to bring our tithes and our offerings, Lord. And we just pray that you will bless it and use it for the extension of your kingdom. That you will bless the treasure of the church as she takes on these duties. And Lord, we thank you that you give each one of us an opportunity to serve. Lord, and as we serve you, we just pray that you will help us to be faithful. You will help our lives to reflect Christ and who he is. We've been singing about that, Lord. And so, Lord, as we now come around your table, Lord, we just pray that as we meet, Lord, that you will just touch our hearts and touch our lives. Lord, heal us if we need healing. Just meet our every need, Lord. We ask all these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we now come to the Lord's table, let us attend to the words of the institution of this sacrament as spoken by our Lord and given to the Apostle Paul. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Amen. Well, we read in this scripture, 
the gracious invitation of our Lord for us to come to his table and to remember him. The Son of Man who came to seek and to save the lost. The Son of God who gave his life a ransom for us. In the same scripture, the Apostle Paul warns us to examine ourselves before partaking in the Lord's Supper. The blessings from the Lord's table are only beneficial to those of a sincere, repentant heart and a living faith in Christ as Lord and Saviour. And so as the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, I now take these elements of bread and of wine to be set apart from all common uses to this holy use and mystery. And as he gave thanks and blessed, let's draw near to God as we give thanks. Let's pray. O eternal God, the whole earth is full of your glory. And we therefore come to praise, bless and adore you. Lord, we want to glory in the cross of Christ. We want to boast in that gospel of the cross. But Lord, we desire even more to glory in Christ himself. Oh Lord, the perfect Lamb, as we draw near to you, we ask that you would fill us. Fill us with your presence, your Holy Spirit. Fill us with joy. Fill us with forgiveness and healing. Fill us with hope. And fill us with the loveliness of Christ. And so, Lord, as we sit here at your table, Lord, we know that there's nothing we can show you that we've achieved. But, Lord, we simply receive him. As we take of the bread, and as we take of the cup. And, Lord, we offer these prayers. In Jesus' sweet and precious name. Amen. According to the institution, command and example of our blessed Saviour, the Lord Jesus, I now take this bread and having given thanks, break it and give it to you. For Jesus said, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. And so can I now encourage you, taste and see that the Lord is good. And you can peel off the first layer and receive the bread. In the same manner, Jesus took the cup. Therefore I take this cup and give it to you. This cup is the new covenant in the blood of Christ, which is shed for the remission of the sins of many. Drink ye all of it. For Jesus said, This cup is the new testament in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it, in remembrance of me. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, ruler of the universe, creator of the fruit of the vine. And so can I now encourage you to take of the cup, 
Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, we're going to close our time together as we sing, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, and we'll stand to sing. So may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship, comfort and power of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Amen. <laughs>